Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 599. And today we go into the breach. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue we have Brian Prime Edwards. <laughs> hello, hello. Chris Ranged O'Regan. Hello. And James Science Carter. Uh, hi, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either that or Brute, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More science than brute, I think, yeah, probably. That didn't feel very fitting. (laughs) So Into the Breach, if you are unaware, it's been around for five years now. One of the reasons we're covering it, it's uh, its fifth anniversary. But it is a science fiction-themed turn-based strategy game at its core. And, of course, we'll be going into detail. It was developed by Subset Games and in what is becoming increasingly traditional cane and rinse fashion. I thought we'd already covered their previous game. (laughs) For FTL, turns out we haven't, um, unless my search failed me. Um, I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, because why haven't we done it? Because there's lots of video games, and we cover all kinds of video games. Uh, so it just so happens we've come to this one first of subsets uh, output. Uh, it doesn't mean we'll never come cover FTL. It's probably got a tenth anniversary coming up or something. So uh, watch this space, or don't, or listen to it. Subset Games uh, were formed by uh, Justin Ma and Matthew Davis, both working at the time, I think, for 2K Shanghai in AAA games dev. I don't know which games they were actually working on. I'm not. It may have been that they were uh, on general design duties or consultancy or something like that. Uh, and they both uh, split off to form Subset in 2011, made FTL, which was uh, pretty big indie hit and i think uh ended up dropping on other formats as well in the end um and into the breach came yeah in 2018 published by themselves on most platforms but then uh, more recently it came to netflix subscription services uh, so they published that version they employed noted games writer chris avalone for sort of scenario duties uh, he has previously worked on the likes of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and Fallout 2 and Planescape Torment which we covered a while back Alpha Protocol uh, Prey Divinity Original Sin 2 he did a bit of work on that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order which we covered and uh yeah it's, uh, Ben Prunty was on musical duties uh, you may know uh, now from Celeste and also Subnautica Below Zero with some uh, themes that basically back the action, uh, one for each island and a few other jingles and bits and bobs. game was released initially for Windows February 2018. Uh, so getting on for six years ago, in fact. Now the Mac version arrived a few months later, August that year, then the Switch version a little later that month. Then there was a bit of a gap before the Linux version, popped out in April 2020. Then the Stadia RIP version came out in December 2020. You can't play that one anymore. And then it arrived just last year in July for Android and iOS. And uh, and as I say, that's the one you can play via your Netflix subscription if you should have such a thing. Designer Matt from the forum says, travelling every week for work this year, I wanted a solid mobile game I could enjoy on the train and was surprised to read that Netflix were offering Into the Breach for iPhone. I remembered it being on some best games of the year list for PC and had always meant to keep an eye out for it on a platform I owned, so I jumped at the chance to try it. I found it really punishing at first, 
but with a little perseverance, I gradually learned how the mechanics worked and how to get the best out of my little mech team. Within a few games, I was properly hooked and having a lot of just one more go moments. It's a great strategy game with surprising depth, a lovely pixel art style to its tiny map and characters and just the right amount of brain exercise that when I succeed, I feel a real sense of accomplishment. It's staying on my phone and I know I'll keep going back to it. Reviews were extremely positive overall, reviewed by 73 outlets, according to Open Critic, recommended by 88% of them with an average score of 88%. User reviews wise, well, it's very positive on Steam, not overwhelmingly positive, And we have got a few bits of feedback from people who didn't click with the game. So I guess that's what's uh, held this one down slightly, but very positive from 15,000 folks is not to be sneezed at. It won some awards as well in 2018, particularly the Game Awards. It won Best Strategy Game. At the Dice Awards, it won Strategy Simulation Game of the Year. At the Game Developers Choice Awards, it won Best Design. And at the BAFTAs, it won Original Property. It is one. <laughs> so when did you first land in this timeline, Brian Edwards? Uh, so much like a lot of other people at the time, I heard the various podcasts I listened to regarding gaming kind of effusing praise for it. But I, at that point, did not have a computer really in any sense at home that could play. I had a, I had a Mac, which obviously didn't, the version was not released for it first. So I was kind of left there waiting, but I didn't really care because I'm not really a strategy or tactics guy. I didn't, mm. I heard the description and it didn't seem like it was for me. And then, um, you know, it started making, you know, the rounds and people kept talking about it and talking about it. And eventually the Switch release came out. So I decided to take a flyer. I can't remember how much it was when it first came out. I want to believe it was around $20 um, mm -hmm. when it was released uh, on the Switch store. I got it and predictably bounced off of it pretty hard. Um, right. Like right off the bat. And I think this wouldn't surprise me. The only tactics games I really got along with have been um, like the tactics games that rely more on the personal relationships kind of like your fire emblem three houses um where i'm way more interested in like fishing and making the characters get married than i am about <laughs> the actual fighting you know what i mean um so uh, you, it, you know there are other games about fishing and getting married i heard you... that yeah and uh, farming <laughs> i've heard there's some of those too um but so it was one of those things though that it, it kept like tickling the back of my brain for whatever reason because Every time I finished a run in this game, and I'd only played you know five or six before I was kind of getting ready to, to to shelve it, and but every single time I, when I got done, I kept having that feeling that I failed because it was my fault, <laughs> not because the game go, was hard, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or whatever reason. So it just one of those things I just kept like feeling, ah, oh, maybe I'll try it one more time, and then you know I finally you know had a little measure of success, or I realized that you could retreat and keep some XP or abilities and go again. And I started seeing some of the strategy develop, and then it just kind of like it snowball analogy is is even a little mild for it. Like I just started, I was just like you know absolutely speed skating downhill with this game to the point where, <laughs> um, and I I think I, I found an old tweet that I had from time because I remember talking about it. Like I went from I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna play this again to like you know four island victories with full grid power. Like just could not put this thing down. So wow. over the over the course of that time, I put I don't know. 30, 40 hours into it. And then over yeah. the last five years, I put another 30 or 40 into it, just dipping in from time to time. And so I've been back now, um, preliminary, I mean, primarily, excuse me, for the show, I've been trying out a bunch of other squads to see, to try to get a feel for them. Ah. And I will kind of 
explain my uh, my feelings on that as we get farther mm. in the show. To the to the point that you were just concluding a failed run yes. as we started. Yes, recording. A, four, yeah. a four island failed run, no less. Um, I Beautiful. think four or three. I think I, I know it was four. Uh, well, and I failed. <laughs> so well, you've qualified regardless. Uh, Chris, how about yourself? As a huge fan of FTL, yeah. when I found out about the arrival and the pre, you know, the previews, and I was, yeah, I was on top of this, and as soon as it arrived on Steam, and I've always had a Windows PC to run games pretty much since the nineties, and uh, jumped on it, and uh, ever since then, I've been playing it on and off, mixture between Windows and my phone. Now, I don't play a lot of phone games these days, um, but this one. Because it was just sitting there, you know, when when it came out in last year, it sort of reawakened my my enthusiasm for this game. Yeah. Now, I'm a big fan of tactical games. I'm much more of a tactician than a strategy mind person, and for that reason, this it's really that's why I like FTL because that's a very reactive tactical game. You can mm. predict some movements, and for me. One, I mean, everyone has everyone has their own kind of wall that one has to break through when it comes to into the breach. I've found, but I've read various. I say everyone, most people. Some people have got blocked it immediately, or not, as the case may be. But it's just the biggest thing I discovered, and it's something I should have learned and known about other tactic games. And this is very much a turn-based tactical game. Is the biggest piece of advice I give to anyone who are who is struggling with this and is bouncing off. Slow down. You've got all the time in the world. You can. There's so the game gives you so much, so much information. And for me, that's what really drew me to it. Is that it's very generous with its information, and ultimately, it's one of those sweet spots of you screwed up because it's basically your fault. <laughs> and you didn't think this through and that's for me so i've been with it and i have no idea how many hours i put into it. i'm sure i can check with steam and 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 uh, a bunch of other um, stat sites but it's a lot and um just yeah the, the reason i keep it keeps giving I keep coming back to it because i just love that sense of um reward when you when you get a plan a plan comes together uh, and that's what really keeps me going with it. And that's where, that's where I come from, is uh, a game made by the same people who brought the genius that is FTL. And here we are with another work of genius. So, yeah, that's that's what my history with uh, Into the Breach. James? Uh, yeah, so I guess um, to echo parts of what Brian and Chris have said, I uh, definitely heard a lot about FTL, um, just not got around to playing it, seemed kind of daunting i guess to some degree um obviously heard it was quite hard and then into the breach came out and in particular so heard de- definitely heard about it on several podcasts people talking about how great it was uh, in particular um danielle riendo on um hmm. as was waypoint then uh where where she was working um that site no longer exists um and she wasn't working there even as uh as it shut down so um but yeah, she was talking about it, and um, I think the reason that stuck with me is it didn't feel like a game that was necessarily one that I would have sus- kind of expected her to effuse about, but she really did. Like, 
tens and dozens of hours uh, put into the game, keeping going back with different mech squads and um, to just just keep being drawn back to something over that sort of period of time. Um, I think when this game definitely, like a lot of um, sort of games with roguelike um, tur- loop mechanics, um, where you can just get to the point where you see credits for the first time and that's it. But the ones that keep you coming back, there's something special about them, I think. Um, but just never got round to it, so uh, I checked. I have a copy on the Epic Game Store. Uh, that was a freebie in December 2019. Um, oh, yeah. And that would have been right in the thick of Epic. Like, every week had a, a game or two out to download. Uh, around December, I think, that year would have been the they're first. They're still doing year. it. They're, yeah, oh, they're absolutely we, yeah. still doing it. But, yeah, around December that year, they would have had a, a um, holiday right. special on where they yep. had loads of games they were giving away. Um, and as with most of the stuff I have on Epic Store, I I just never think to turn that <laughs> client on. I just... I, I just boot it up on a Thursday to add the games yeah, to it. Oh, my God, me too. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. Totally guilty. Yeah. Yeah. So many games in that yeah. library. It's a, it's a pretty amazing uh, box of content. And, yes, yeah. I've just checked, and yeah. Into the Breach sits in mine unplayed as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and so it, it just, unfortunately, I, I see it there, and then I think, oh, I could probably get that on a different platform and play it. It's a, it's a nice reminder for me to play it somewhere <laughs> else. Um, so, uh, in, the model makes sense. In January this year, I was looking through uh, the Steam sales and kind of marrying them up to what was going to be on uh, our Volume 12 list of games and what I'd like to play along with. Uh, And this was absolutely one. So 4th of January, I picked up a Steam copy um, because clearly Epic Store copy wasn't good enough. Um, So yeah, I grabbed that in a Steam sale this year. That's just a bit mad, although it makes more sense if you have a Steam Deck, I suppose. Which is exactly how Can you play Epic content on a Steam Deck? You can, but it's not that straightforward. You need the Hero Launcher or something, I think it's called. Right. Yeah, Um, hoops. Yeah, it's jumping through hoops, and the Steam games on there are just so easy to play natively, and it just makes sense to, to, um, to do that. So. Uh, and and by the point of January 2023, it's not like I paid big bucks for uh, for no. this game. It was seven quid, I think, which is and the developer gets some money, which beyond you know, fair, a, exactly. a bit of extra yeah. cash, yeah, um, beyond fair to ask for 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 this game. Um, yeah. So yeah, and and the plan always was to play along with this, and it just happened that a um, the a slot opened up on the uh, on this recording. And so about 10 days ago, I started playing yeah. it and I've got about 14, just over 14 hours put in on Steam Deck in that time. Um, and uh, almost all with just one uh, mech team, but did yeah. get a four island clearance through uh, a couple nice. of days back now. So yeah. yeah, I think that's how a lot of people play, as we'll discuss. Mm. I'm pretty sure I bought this closer to the time it came out on Steam with, as usual, intentions of playing it because getting caught up in the the buzz um but that never happened um it sits there in my steam library obviously then the epic version got added to it and then uh, as i scheduled it for the show i think it was around the time that it was coming to or it had come to netflix anyway so i realized that i could play it on the the free little mini tablet that I got with my last phone contract. But then I thought, oh, I don't know, it's a bit, that mini tablet's not very powerful. 
and the game might be a bit sticky, which one of the things that I think is excellent about Into the Breach is that it's very low demand on tech um, and runs really smoothly and swiftly on even a Switch. So, of course, I bought the Switch version. And uh, and have been playing that mainly on on me uh, me lovely uh, breath of no tears of the kingdom <laughs> OLED switch uh, and it's been the game's been travelling with me as I've been going around following Brighton Hove Albion's adventures in Europe so uh, I've been playing this on the plane to France and uh, Greece and. Uh, Dutch, Dutchland, Holland, <laughs> Netherlands, um, mainly, uh, as well as some games here back at home on the big screen, uh, which my eyes enjoys <laughs> perhaps slightly more than the handheld mode. Um, and yes, uh, victories of various flavours. But yes, I've still got, I think I've unlocked about half the teams of mechs, um, but there's still plenty more to do. And uh, we'll take a little look at the achievements, uh, in-game achievements later. And there is... So much you could do in this game if you wanted to properly tick everything off. I'm I'm nowhere near having exhausted it. <clears throat> Tlepri from our forums says, I've only played five or six games of uh, or so of Into the Breach, but it's an all-time favourite. Not for games to play, but games I am inspired by by working on tabletop game designs. I love the simplicity and compactness of it and would be thrilled to make something half as good as it someday. That's quite something to, uh, you know, for it to have that much influence in just five five quick goes. Um, and yes, if you keep going back to it, Telepri, you'll find that uh, it, it kind of starts to open up like a flower, especially if you start switching on the extra units and stuff that they added further down um, the line, which we'll also talk about, of course. The scenario, I don't think we need to issue a spoiler warning for this game because essentially it's all there in the blurb and... The end is either you lose most often or you win sometimes. <laughs> the remnants of human civilization are threatened by gigantic creatures breeding beneath the earth. You must control powerful mechs from the future to hold off this alien threat. Each attempt to save the world presents a new randomly generated challenge in this turn-based strategy game from the makers of FTL, says the Steam blurb. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the visuals. Uh, I think we've already mentioned one of our correspondents uh pixely art style could have been probably not an 8-bit game but probably could have been a 16-bit game in terms of pixel count resolution i'm gonna say style. i'm gonna show my age but uh, leon and i is the same kind of place so yeah, forgive me but there was a game i played on the amiga called utopia yeah yeah and it looks like that does a bit yeah it really does yeah. the utopia is like more zoomed out um, and more of a city builder type yeah. of experience. Oh, yeah, visually, yeah. yeah. Very different game. But, yeah. Although you did send tanks off to eat. To yeah, eat true enough. That was great. Mm. Um, but no, that's what really immediately reminded me of. And mm. I, although, yeah, a lot more colours, a lot more flashing going on and et cetera, and the resolution was very much, much, much higher. But uh, nonetheless, it, uh, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Mm. I loved yeah. Utopia. Loved it. Mm. Uh, anything else you want to say on the visuals, James? I think it's got a, a sort of cartoonish aspect to it. I think it's fair to point that out. It's not, I don't think yeah. they're going for photorealism. They're, they're nope. in, in the way of um, sort of old, sort of, as you say, sort of 16-bit era 2D sprites, where they had like a sort of a caricature almost to them. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and the um, the kind of the animations, um, a, a bit like we were um, sort of been talking Slay, Slay the Spire last week, 
these are definitely more advanced than that, but they are to give the player feedback a lot of the time. It's it's very sort of um yeah, the animations are very sort of informative, as Chris was saying. Mm. The game's always wanting to give you feedback and uh I think the animations just help sort of give you a sense of impact and uh, I think scale's the interesting thing about visuals because yeah, you're yeah. walking around in a mech that is the height of buildings, but it seems very dinky and diddy, especially if you're playing on a the yeah. Steam Deck screen. Uh, yeah, yeah, which, is, which is kind of uh, a cool sort of um, duality to the the visuals. I, yeah, I really. It, it's like any other artistic choice, right? Where it, it, when they they limit the scope or limit the the pixel count or, or limit the style to this set thing, then they're working with their their own set of limitations. And I always find it really interesting to see that within a set of self-generated limitation, how they're going to convey information to us as the players, right? So I always found it really interesting when a new enemy would appear and based on whether it was just a color pattern or just a couple different extra things, you could tell like, oh, this is more of a threat than that last thing, but they really haven't done much. Hmm. There's not much visual difference between the two, but they just made these subtle changes or a subtle animation or um, you can even just see the the way it visually represents the attack pattern of an anim- enemy would be like, 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 wow, this, the last enemy that looked like this would do damage two squares in front of us. Now this one, this deals damage four squares or something to that effect. Like yeah. you, you start to see, and it's all, it, it's all, none of the visuals are particularly impressive, but it all really adds up to something that is, as I believe Chris already said, it just, it communicates so much to you that you can look at this board. And I imagine this is the way, and I'm not putting myself in this headspace, but it's the way that like like grand champion chess players or Othello players or or things like that can just look at a board of pieces and and imagine Essentially. with very limited visual information, but can just imagine all these different possibilities. And I didn't get to that level of it, but there would be certain times in this game where of the few enemies would pop up from certain places or a particular um whether it be a weather event or a cataclysm or things like that. And you start to put those pieces in your head together before anything happens, only based on the visual information it's conveying to you. So yeah. it's really effective. While also, if you just looked at a plain screenshot of this game without playing it, you'd be like, "Oh, it looks like oh, it's just a it's another pixel indie game." And it is, but it's not. It's it's. And until that point, it can look a bit messy. I yeah. think, like until until you've got all the pieces in your mind and i'm sure you know it's yeah like you say this this won't be the last mention of chess in this game uh in this podcast about this game played on an eight by eight grid um obviously there are more different pieces and various other things that you don't do in chess um that makes this both more complicated and also much simpler in some ways um but i'm sure you know you do if you ever watched any like youtube videos of um proper chess players you know the people who go and challenge each other in the parks of the world and things like this and they just play at this phenomenal pace and i I was finding earlier today i was playing a you know trying to go for a big you know four island campaign and there were points where i was doing multiple moves before i'd even sort of actually um registered what everything was it it got to a muscle memory point a brain muscle memory point where i was actually interpreting things out in my peripheral vision thinking you know i know that can't hurt that i know this can't hurt this whereas when I first started the playing playing the game, you it, as people have said, and I think more of our correspondents will say, it can feel a little overwhelming. But then when you go back to it, having played deeper and deeper into the game, the early stages can feel really stripped back and quite simple. 
Uh, oh, and one more thing I did want to say about the visuals was, uh, although I think in terms of actual frames of animation, they're probably not, uh, none of the, the effects are that many, but I think that they've managed to, with a, a fairly modest amount of frames of animation, made things like the splashes into the water satisfying enough because they could have just gone for, they could have even gone for totally representational visuals that didn't have any of that sort of flourish into it. But I think it does add something. Things blowing up is nice. Um, oh, and screen shake as well, uh, which you can turn off if you don't like it. But I think it does add to the impact of certain situations and moves, which again could feel a little unimpactful without that that touch. But I think that brings us nicely into talking about the audio as well. Obviously, there's booms and bangs and cracks and pews and all the usual stuff. Um, yeah, Brian, audio satisfactory for you? Uh, is this a game? I think it will be for some people where you probably dial the audio down and put some music on or a podcast or something. So I this is a, I will go back and forth. Um, I really do like this game from uh, like as a headphone game um, most of the time because I feel like it, maybe at first glance it it could be a podcast game or something you put something else on the background but by the end of this game and i heard this said a couple times so i know it's not a completely original thought but by by the the end of my time of the game you'd get to these points where you could just kind of stare at the screen for a little bit and you know that there's a solution there it's not presenting itself appropriately and i liked having that music on in the background i like being able to like kind of completely dialed into the to, to the what was happening in the game Sure. And then you you match it up, and you just said it uh, coming into this land, like the sound effects when you defeat an enemy, or when oh, that wonderful feeling when you're able to like both somehow knock an enemy back into an area where they're going to block another enemy from emerging, and then also somehow be subject to an airstrike. You know what I mean? Like it's like when all those things come mm-hmm. together, and then you can hear that whip, crang, bang, you know, splash, what what have you, like. All of that stuff working together, like the audio supports the visual in such a way that it makes all those things really feel really satisfying, and also makes it feel really terrible when you know you're going to give up one power grid on this turn. You just have to, and you hear that mm. crash and the building, you know, crumbles into itself. And um, the sound effects, I think, are are pretty outstanding in this game. Um, music wise, I think it's uh, forgettable is too harsh a term because because obviously a lot of work went into it, but when I was playing the game, I wasn't. There's no. There's no tunes from this game that I will hum along to, and it's yep. not a soundtrack I'll like kind of put. I on think they're anything. designed chiefly to not get too irritating, sure, which yeah. I think is important. Which and I think they succeed in that, but it also means by design that they're probably not as yeah catchy as as they could be. So I think it's a it's a real yeah it's a real trick to mm-hmm. to make music for these games. We talked about the soundtrack in Final Fantasy Tactics, and we loved a lot of it, and some of it we were absolutely sick of by the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's t- it's a tough thing to pull off, but um, I like the um, I like the triumphant uh, drums at the end of a map. That's good, um, always satisfying. I the don't, sound I don't that actually, the sound of all the Vec retreating at the end of the round. I love that mm. they're scrambling mm. away, like uh, the skittery kind of you know rocky yeah. crumbles. I love that stuff. Yeah, I also like the uh, glancing blows on buildings. That's one of my favorite sounds. Like, yeah. <laughs> Close. Yeah. Where they defend it. Where they defend right. it, yeah. 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 It's uh, rare, but when it happens, deep oh. joy. Mm. Can be a game saver. And uh, before we get on to the gameplay proper, one more aspect of the audio that I enjoy. It's such a simple thing. I doubt it even 
takes an enormous amount of uh, work to employ uh but it's uh the sound of wind always kind of appeals to a primal part of me i guess i'm not alone in that and so the particularly the the maps that are both desert and uh snow and ice based i find those just having that ambient noise of of the hot or chilly wind adds a huge amount to the the atmosphere and yeah. the, the sense of sense of place breath of the tiles yeah. <laughs> psycho hype from our forum <laughs> says when i saw that a mobile version of into the breach was coming to phones and tablets for netflix users in 2022 i was thrilled for the chance to finally give the game a go i enjoyed it right off the bat even when it took me a few failed runs to get the hang of how everything worked even though i've put a decent amount of time into the game i've still only tried out four of the squads so far riftwalkers zenith guard blitzkrieg and cataclysm I've gotten to the end credits with each of them at least once. To be honest, even if the developers had only included the original Riftwalkers squad, I would have thought this was one of the uh, still one of the best puzzle strategy games I'd ever played. But learning how to adapt my strategy for the other squads has been a great bonus. The thing that most impresses me with Into the Breach is the design itself. Everything is so cleanly spelled out. This is where each enemy is going to attack. Here is the order of their attack. It's all vital information for you, the player, and there's very little that actually it, that is actually left to chance. I imagine it was no accident that the team at Subset Games decided to use an 8x8 playing field just like a game of checkers or drafts or chess. Yeah. Gameplay description, a brief overview for those still wondering. According to Moby Games, the player controls mechs in a turn-based fashion. The monsters first move and then announce where they are going to attack. It's true. The player may then remove the threat by killing the Vex, moving them out of the way, pushing them into the water, and so on. The game features permanent death and no save options, except when quitting. After completing a certain task, a set of different mechs may be unlocked. Each mech has very different weapon weapons and thus strategies. Some just push monsters away, some make them turn away, some do direct damage. A clever move would be to make a Vex do damage to each other. A Vex? To make Vec do damage to each other. Battles have a few objectives which grant currencies or bonuses if fulfilled. This may be used to upgrade the mechs as well as acquiring new weapons. The player may choose between a few available battles each time. Hmm. I, sort of I, I just love the, the description that um, the the Vec move and then announce where they're going to attack. Yeah. Which, like when When you think about it, it's really helpful, and I love how informative it is. Also, it's ridiculous. Like, it, yeah, describing it as a noun is like, well, yeah. How else would we know where they're going to attack unless literally this this unit rocked up and went, mm. "I'm going to attack." <laughs> mm. <laughs> if well, you think maybe, of it that way, it's ludicrous. Maybe it's to do with the time travel aspect. They were like, you know, they have some prior ah, foreshadowing head cannon yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. they, so oh, they know what's, what's going on there <laughs> there you go a bit of story a bit of excuse but <laughs> interesting <laughs> attempt attempt at summarizing the game it needed another three or four pages of text before <laughs> it really got it in well, that, my opinion but you know yeah. well exactly that was a brief summary rather than me reading three or four pages of text you can go to the <laughs> wiki if you want that uh Hallam Akbar from the forum says, I heard so many great things about Into the Breach when it launched. My brother absolutely loved the game, as well as all the critics, it seemed. I was playing Breath of the Wild at the time and didn't start playing this game for a few years after it launched. I'm not a huge fan of strategy games, but some of them I absolutely love. So I was so surprised by how hard this one was. 
I stopped playing thinking I just wasn't smart enough to beat it. I had to constantly replay maps to have what felt like a perfect game. After a break, I thought I was going to go back and play on easy, but what I experienced in the game just wasn't fun enough to make me want to start back up. I'd still like to play it on easy one day, but my backlog is big enough. I don't know if I'll decide to start over again. That's um, that's really interesting because I had a rough first few um, yeah. playthroughs on, on this game because the fact that it's laid out isometrically, fixed perspective, 8x8 grid in the way mm. it is, it for some reason felt to me like it was a puzzle that could be solved. And so every time something would go, not every time something went wrong necessarily, but my I was so quick to abandon timeline and just start again when things didn't quite go how I hoped. Oh, really? Even, even okay. using the reset turn and, and obviously the ability mm. to undo moves. Um, even with that... You're getting felt... a bit perfectionist-headed. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. and I think... The the one the best way I can explain this is like there are often times where I'd get to the end of a turn and think oh if I'd just done this slightly differently or different order of of uh, moves on my turn I could have had a better outcome um, and that that can be frustrating but as uh, several of us have said you kind of think oh well that that's for me to learn think about this take your time a bit more as Chris says um, mm. but when you're laying out your units at the start there were definitely times where I'm laying my units out as best as I can, not knowing where the enemies are going to go or what they're going to do. Yeah. And then the very first turn, I'm like, I I have to lose something here. I'm, I can't stop mm. everything that's about to happen from happening. Yeah. And part yeah. of me was like that. It's not that it felt unfair. It just felt like I had no way of knowing what was about to happen. And I was frustrated that out of nowhere, from not having necessarily made a mistake, I'm going to be down some resources when mm. the the point of picking this particular mission was, I want to boost my uh, power grid or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, I yeah. thought I was going to get something out of this mission that now I'm clearly not going to get or I'm going to be a, on a fight just to come out even uh, at the end of it. And so I had to go through a few cycles of just abandon timeline, start again, let's just see if we can do this better to break me out of that habit and realize that you have quite a lot of different resources you're juggling at any one time in, in this game, uh, both within a turn and within a, a, a mission and within a playthrough that you're juggling. And sometimes you are going to have to start treating those resources like they are to be spent. Like your power grid, yes. even though it's casualties for a building and you obviously don't want that. But sometimes that's just a resource you're going to have to spend in order to get something else out of it, whether it's a pod as a as a particular example or whatever it might be. Yeah. Long-term pain for short... No, that's wrong. Other way around. Short-term yeah, yeah. pain for long-term gain, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think something about, as I say, the way the, the game sort of presents each mission, it does, it did feel to me like, oh, well, this is to be solved perfectly. There's a perfect game to be had here every single time. And, and unless someone's about to tell me that I'm just not a good enough strategist there just isn't a perfect game to be had here and keeping on restarting looking for that perfect game or changing difficulty obviously if you need to or you want to that's that's fine but hoping that that's going to make you feel better about it as opposed to kind of dark souls thing getting used to there's going to be a downside here i just need to work out what the upside i get out of it is going to be there is one there's a couple of things i want to point out mm, yeah that really is important 
and it's something that I clicked on very quickly with Into the Breach was the vital need to understand that you can move and attack, but not at the same point. Mm-hmm. How can yeah. I put this? So you move something and in preparation for another unit to set something up for that unit when they do attack. And that's just unlocks so many it's like you don't just move then you don't focus your attention just on the one unit. Everything has to has to work together. They and it sounds obvious, but when you're playing it, you think each unit has it does its own thing. No, they're all work they they are and it's some wonderful, wonderful moments for me when playing into the breach when a actual plan comes together. And then the second point I want to talk about really is you know, you're saying you can't reach perfection. You're right, you can't. At least not initially. But as you repeat plays, the stronger you get and the, the more experience that the pilots get and the more power cores they get to the point where your squad becomes quite formidable, then then you get to a point where you wiped out the VEC and there's like there's you get to the next stage or next turn. And you've only got we haven't explained this actually, but there's a limited number of turns per session. We should have mm. said that at the beginning. Is that that's really important? That's another resource. Time yeah, is exactly. a resource. There, there are times, times. There we go. There are periods or sessions when I'm going. I'm going to survive this only because I've only got one turn left, <laughs> and yeah, because yeah. they can, yeah. they're going to retreat. And there are times when later on, when you get really powerful, that they you've wiped them out. You, you, there's two turns left or something like. There's nothing else left to do here. One of the key the key aspects of this game that perhaps I didn't realise before I played it even based on the you know what the buzz that i picked up having not sort of read multiple long form reviews is is how pacey and snappy this game is um really really quick to play um to the point that you can play entire campaigns in 20 minutes sometimes less than an hour even for a full four islander and the individual maps being only 8 by 8 and the turns being so limited the game just absolutely races by and that also helps with the kind of compulsion because you know that even if something hasn't gone particularly well on this map there's a good chance that you'll be able to claw it back on the next map kind of thing i think the the sort of the rev the revelatory moment for me i'd say i say revelatory for me it was actually i was sort of doing some uh some research for the show and came across a video that said here's some things you might think about want to think about and one of them was how important blocking vec entering the field is because prior to that I was like, but it hurts my it hurts yeah. my beautiful mechs. So I, why would I do that? But then, of course, well, because <laughs> otherwise the vec come on the board and start smashing your buildings up. And the one the one currency in the game that you absolutely cannot uh, afford to lose all of is your power grid because that's game over. And so, of course, yeah, having fewer vec on the field means, and you can repair. I I also didn't notice for probably about the first five hours of my play fire. that you could that you could repair oh, so dear. so oh, uh that made it but, but, that but, made it more challenging again, i think yeah. even once you notice that's there um there's a reluctance certainly i experience a reluctance to use it because it feels it's not a wasted turn obviously <laughs> no but you're no. having to potentially therefore not stop a vec doing something right because you can't attack with one of your units you just you have to be comfortable with losing something. And, and you both said this already, Chris and James, but 
there's never going to be and and Chris said you get to a point you could become a formidable squad that can have yeah. relatively clean playthroughs but well when you're starting these campaigns like you're some buildings are going to fall you're going to lose some power grid you're going to lose some health uh, at some point you might you might have to sacrifice the mech that you haven't put that much XP into yet to, and then yeah. and then go with the the less powerful kind of drone one for the rest of the campaign just as an effort, like a last ditch effort to try to get to that final island because because um, everything it all culminates in um, all the battles, whether it's the, the battles at the boss battles for each island or the or the final island battle, it's all just becomes this. Clearly, you are being overwhelmed by a force that you cannot defeat. Like that's the thing is that you, they're always going to be coming back. They're always unless you take out that hive, they're always coming back. So it's just about making those pieces on the grid just do just enough damage or you lost just enough health to continue on to fight another day. And I, as most of you, and it sounds like you had this problem too, James, like I'm not used to that in video games. You know, I want to, I want to do everything right. I want to, you know, I want to do all the quests. I want to do all the things. I want all the boxes to be checked. And this is just not a game for that. And the quicker that you become better at managing that loss, like it's just like, the wheels start to turn and and then you start to understand one system which then informs another system and and the blocks start falling and it's it's a really intricate set of systems keeping this whole process going and by interacting and engaging with all of them figuring out whether or not for, for uh, Leon has made a good point about not knowing about repairing for the first however many runs. I've known about repairing since it happened, and I still am reluctant to use it because it feels to me yeah. like a waste of a turn. I could be doing something better. Yeah. When in reality, sometimes just healing one more time to give me another turn of blocking that Vec entry, which then kills my That's mech, yeah. that, might be the, that might be the smart move. But it doesn't yeah. feel good in the moment, and it's one. It's one. Once you start seeing your mechs as uh, as yeah, defensive as well as uh, offensive yeah. beasts, and you realize that you are gonna stick them in between yourself. This is the the the, the sacrifice you're making is to stick your mech in between the vec and the human buildings. Uh, truck Kurt from the forum says into the breach is the example I always bring up when people ask the question of which game did you go back to and end up loving I gave it a try many years ago and played two to three hours but not really getting it and growing frustrated of having to start from the beginning every time I failed the mission due to its roguelike nature at that point I wondered whether the roguelike genre just wasn't for me then in 2020 for some reason I decided to give it another go and fell in love to the point where it's now in my top three games of all time Every single squad seems equal in terms of their abilities so that I really couldn't say that one is better than any other. They each have their strengths and weaknesses on the battlefield so that I could happily play a run as any of them and feel as though I've just as uh, just an equal chance of succeeding the run as any other squad I may have chosen. The same can be said of the pilots. Then there are the enemies which also feel finely tuned and balanced to perfection. I think that brings us into our selection of mechs and uh, I like the comment I think you made Brian in discussions in the lead up to this show which was you got so used to using the default squad of riff walkers that trying to play with anything else felt like trying to write with your non-dominant hand yeah yeah um, and I think that's a common feeling uh, I, I also was reluctant to to move away from the ones I was used to because it, it feels so ingrained to the way you play but actually once you learn all the other, once you know all the other aspects of the game, the mechanics, it becomes quicker, perhaps quicker than you think to start 
incorporating elements of the new mechs. I know there are some mechs looking at the the wiki which are actually like um empirically like have more health than others and things like mm-hmm. this which obviously gives them uh, a pro factor and actually in the end I simply started making a custom squad because I tried out this uh basically this metal gear thing it's a, la- a laser walker which is another prime one which is I just like it too much to not use it now it has some cons because it fires this laser which goes across the entire map so <laughs> uh so that can obviously have a downside but also it's really good fun it it hits for three damage in the first square two in the second and so on um it's also really good at setting fields on fire <laughs> stuff yeah. like that uh so it, it feels like it has quite a big impact and also upgraded from the initial kind of uh grenade lobbing whatever you get with the with the the rift walkers to one that does a little bit more has a little bit more impact i think um in some way i can't remember exactly how but there are a lot of mechs and as i say i've unlocked about half of them tried out less than a quarter of them um has anyone gone to town and uh actually gone got to the point where i could give you a random squad which is one of the selection options and you'd be like yeah okay i'll play with these guys oh absolutely not <laughs> no, no I, and I, I don't mean that to, to to sound like I'm being stubborn. I, I tend to, to to use the rift walkers when I'm getting back into it. Then I'll try other squads. I, I like yeah. the preset squads, uh, just because to me, I'm not good enough in my head of knowing what parts are going to work well with other parts. And I know yeah, it's yeah. designed so that technically you could take three of any and you'd be able to make it work. But my brain so. is not designed to know mm. how to do that. Um, no. I have a I have such a huge stumbling block with mechs that are only their only function is positioning, whether it's the hookshot mech to kind of bring Vec towards you or yeah. I understand what they do and what their strengths are. But if I don't have a if if each of my mech can't do direct damage itself i am the same i can't like my brain will not and maybe it's just you know on a long enough timeline sure but um but yeah no i um but i i really do like uh some of the mechs uh, that are offered uh, the blitzkrieg squad which has the electric shock um um i believe is that the blitzkrieg that has the electric shock no i'm yeah yeah yeah. i have my switch right here i can check the the dual like uh electric whips on yes exactly uh, yeah Yeah, absolutely i I had i had some success with them in fact i I just had my first three island victory with a non-rift walker squad the other day with that with blitzkrieg and um and yeah so you start to get familiar with them and i found as you already said leon that if i just like took the preset that they set for me and know that the developers put these three mechs together because they will work together. And I sure. just like yeah. nose down. If I, if I dedicate some time, eventually I'll be able to have, you know, relative success. Now, whether that's yeah. fun to me or not, that's, you know, to each their own. I don't even think there's a particular, I don't th- think there's either. A, I don't think there's an um, intrinsic reward to playing with a custom squad. I don't think there's any achievements grouped around that or whatever. So playing with, predefined squads is entirely like logical and legitimate um it just so happens that i basically i wanted these two particular mechs and so i ended up making it 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 was just like it was what happened rather than it was me thinking oh i'm cleverer than (laughs) i'm cleverer than the developers (laughs) or whatever um because yeah i i always every time i play with it the same three i'm thinking is this actually a good group i mean you know i've cleared the game with it and whatever but could i have done it better does it make some scenarios really difficult? Um, yeah, who knows? Um, I would need to play 
many, many more hours because although you can complete this game in a in relatively short order in terms of getting a credits roll, yeah, ticking every box in the the achievements list would be uh, a many, many multi-hour endeavor. Which it sounds like maybe Brian's got as close uh, to as anyone to us, but with that caveat that you are, you only like the mechs that hurt things, <laughs> which. Which I completely vibe with, yeah. All, all mine hurt things. None of them. There's that. I think there's one that is. It just picks them up and and jumps them on the other side of you, like a judo throw. So uh, the ones that I'm thinking of are, um, oh, I'm not going to remember the name of it. There's one that deploys no, deploys shields onto uh, buildings or your units or yeah. enemy units, if you like. I mean, that makes sense, right? Uh, it makes perfect sense, but it's it's only other. It's only. Um, so you can only do that twice, at least initially. You only have two sort of shield deploy actions per combat round. Its main actual uh, weapon is to pull enemies out of position, which, again, you look at that on the surface of it compared to, like, the Riftwalkers and think, oh, that's cool, so you could pull out of position, but the only mm. actual way it has to do damage is to pull an enemy into itself. Mm. Um, and then you also, on that one, have, on that squad, have the one that charges, that only has three HP, and every time it charges, if it doesn't have a shield, it does damage to itself. So I can see how it works together, but all the time I'd started playing with that, I was just like, "Can I just have my Riftwalker? Yeah, yeah. other pair back, please." And then at that point, I'll just go back to the full squad. So yeah, I I definitely found so I I found myself comparing it to well, first of all, Slay the Spire, which I'm obviously just off the back of playing for yeah. this here very uh, podcast uh, last week's issue. Yeah. Um, and uh, Chris, I'd spoken to because I was kind of doing the Hades thing. I'll come back to Hades in a second of wanting to flip between the different characters every run just to start mm. building up. Uh, yeah. an understanding across the board rather than being really specialized and focused on one uh, yeah. and and sort of said uh, after a few runs I, I think i'm just gonna have to stick to one character and chris was like yeah absolutely stick to one character what are you doing you idiot <laughs> not verbatim that <laughs> no it was never that tone no, but no. it's just but, it's but... just so tempting to because the other characters in that game are uh, are interesting just as the other mechs here are interesting exactly the thing yeah so yeah. so here i uh started with the riff walkers and i was in slay the spire mode i was i am not changing this squad until i understand this one um and i think mm, the mm. thing that in both cases but this game obviously we're talking about here um i really liked in hades that it gave me an incentive i didn't have to i could have just stuck to one weapon but each turn, a different weapon has the 20%, I think it is, bonus to the amount of whatever the purple crystals are called that you get. Um, and that prompted me to think, all right, I'm just going to, I'll go with that weapon every single time. And that meant that I was just like long distance. I am going to, over time, I will get to know how each of these weapons work. With the with this, I felt I had to stick to the Riftwalkers and get to know that move set to be successful at the game. But that meant that once I'd beaten the game once, I was like, well, I should probably stick to the Riftwalkers until I've done everything I can with the Riftwalkers. And that only then would I feel the urge to move on to a different mech team, which I just I, I tried out a little bit, but just didn't get to. And so every time I'm going to play another team, I'm just like, nah, this feels like it's not doing what I, I'm I'm. I'm trying to push it in ways that it's not made to be pushed. I'm trying to do things with it that Riftwalkers can do, but this other mech squad can't. Mm. And so I think 
I would have to sort of say I am going to be playing this game for a long time to get to the point where I've played Riftwalkers, done everything I want to do with them, move on to the next squad, play them until I've done everything there. Because I, I don't think I can shift dynamically between mech squads that easily. Whereas with something like Hades, yeah, I'll just play whichever weapon and I know how to play that weapon. Maybe not great, but well enough to feel like it's satisfying. And here I wasn't getting that, unfortunately. I must confess, initially I used to do that with with Into the Breach. I would mm. fix to one particular squad. Yeah. But in my latter years of playing it, and I mean years, um, no, I I love using things that don't do any damage because huh. you might have hinted it earlier. I love setting up for the kill. I like creating yeah. a kill zone. So like serving them up to the ones that are actually going to do damage, like yeah. I'm going to put that one there, put that one there. Like, okay, now we've got a lovely cascade effect. Go punch them or go set fire to them or something. And it's just, that's how I play the game. It's just put them where you want them. And that's very chess-like. That's the you're maneuvering yeah, yeah. Mm. The, the it's just like you're maneuvering the pieces. You, it's all about the movement. It's not that's yeah. So for me, when you when I heard you say I only like things that hurt, yeah, I get that. But for me, I get more personally. Right, sorry, I really love setting up the big kill, the big womp, because that's because you're creating a lovely combination cascade effect with the environment, with each other, with all sorts. I mean, one of the favourite things I love doing is having shoving him over an, a, an emerging, an emergent sort of like, where basically they block their own from coming up and yeah. then they die. Like, yeah, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's so, a great feeling, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so for me, I I did initially do the set squads. Now mm. it's just custom nightmares. I mean, you look at it <laughs> going, what, what are you doing, Chris? And, I mean, I love... There's one in the Rusting Hulks, which no one's talking about. I don't know why, poor poor things. But one's a, it's a rocket mech. Every time it fires behind it, it leaves an electric um, sort of storm cloud, which causes yeah. horrific damage And uh, over time, which is wonderful. There's all that kind of stuff. And there's one of them in the Rusting, Rusting Hulks that all it does is push things away from it. That's all it does. Yeah, It's great but for me because it's like, yes, that, that's exactly what I need. Something that just manipulates and moves them around. Um, so yeah, it, it's just an extraordinary game. Even five years, I'm still banging on, I'm still playing it because it, it, you can do that. You can create what nightmare sort of squads. Although, although we haven't mentioned this, you can't have four or three brutes. That's what you still have to have one of each class. No, you don't. Three, don't you? No, I thought you did. No, 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 no. no you no, can no, have you can done. have three primes mixed- or. Oh, no. Whatever, no. whatever you like, because I have two. I have I have two primes. Oh, it's yeah. just yeah. shocking. I <laughs> literally. <laughs> I I agree with what you said, Chris, and it sounds like you're you get a lot out of that, and I think it's probably just a combination of preference slash like mm. your own personal skill ceiling or whatever. But um, there's one I'm thinking, I hate to pick. I'm not just trying to pick on this one mech. Um, uh, not that the mechs have feelings, but it's the one where mm. you hop over a vec and you you blast below you, and then it creates like four squares uh, of smoke around it. A Harrier and, jump jet type. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm like, wow, one. that would be really cool in the hands of someone capable, but it's not this guy. <laughs> like yeah, I don't same, like same. I cannot. I like, and I have sat with that squad because I remember the first. That was the first second set of squads that I that I unlocked. You know, back when I first got the game. 
and yeah. I just beat my head against the wall trying to get it. And I finally got a two island victory with that squad. I'm like, that was wonderful. I'm never touching you again. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it was one of those things. I and so it, it is really interesting to see that depth. And if you watch some people play this game, on, uh, I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos of people doing perfect mm. runs with different squads. Yeah. So it's unbelievable what people can accomplish. Um, it's yeah. just. It's 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 completely believable what I can accomplish, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like um, the more I've played it, and yeah, I'm still a long, long ways behind you in terms of hours put in. I haven't been playing it as long. Um, the more I play it, the more like... Uh, the more I understand everything else, the the more I feel that I could involve other mechs but it is very habit forming like in the sense that you you get so used to exactly what each of your mechs can do but even that changes like we we've yet to talk about the fact that uh the pilot the pilots you have within your mechs um affects certain elements and also they even have loadouts which can vary you have a basic weapon but there are extra weapons that you can acquire along the way and it gets more and more uh multifaceted and multi-layered but it is it does come back to the the chess thing which is that it is essentially a pretty simple set of rules on a pretty small area that um allows it to be this sort of tactical strategy playground i suppose yeah it's interesting because yeah earlier this year we covered final fantasy tactics obviously that's a much older game and in some ways a way more complicated one but also uh, one that is perhaps more um, at the the whimsy of fate in terms of well there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of strategy involved still there's also a lot more kind of you know percentage chances and things going on and I think the, my main thought about Into the Breach is that as much I absolutely love the XCOM games right and I'm perfectly okay with the it said 95% I was going to shotgun this alien in the face and he missed. I get it. I totally get it. But some people hate that aspect of turn-based games. But here, that's gone. That's completely gone. You know, bar the occasional RNG chance of, say, a building not taking damage, there is, there is for me, there's the just the right amount of procedural generation for each map so that the game doesn't become stale in the the layouts change subtly and... The, the positions from which the enemies arrive change and each game doesn't play out like an exact replica of a previous one. So it isn't like chess in that respect in that, you know, we know how chess goes that essentially the best chess players are people who can remember extraordinary sequences of um, different games that have played out in, in advance. And you, you essentially, you end up going down the path of these counteracting games that already have been played. This isn't perhaps like that, although I guess, you know, if you looked at everyone who'd ever played a game of Into the Breach, of course, there have been duplicates. But you know what I mean? Like you come into each battle and it doesn't feel like you're just going through the motions because there there are there's enough variance of possibility that it keeps your brain awake. Or yeah, it keeps absolutely. my brain I mean, awake. Even um so where the enemies move you can kind of affect that by where you position yourself, right? right? So um you can block enemies from getting behind you if you fill a gap between buildings. Um and on the mine levels if you are clever about where you place yourself and you you don't know for sure where the enemies are going, but you know they may go to the one square you've left blank to mm. that they could attack you 
one of your mechs from. And if you happen to make sure there's a mine there, then maybe they'll hit it. Maybe they won't. Yeah. But yeah, there's enough randomness there that you don't know exactly what they're going to do. You don't know whether they're going to go for a building or for one of your mechs or whatever. But um, and and yeah, even so, I think the thing about the uh, building resistance because that is a saving throw, a, a random chance. It always feels good when you get it, and because the percentage chance of it is right there on screen and it's relatively low like on one one particularly good run i got that up to 30 percent but i was kind of pushing to try and get that as high as possible and so when i got a couple of resistances in a row i was like yeah that's a payoff for the strategy i've employed but it still felt great because it was so unlikely um and and so it never feels that like that in that xcom way yeah, the percentages are accurate. Yeah, that doesn't that's not guaranteed unless it says 100%. But it still feels it's still a a blow when you see 95% come sure. back against your be. favor. Um whereas in this case it's such a boost when it goes in your favor and you'd kind of already yeah. written off that grid defense point. Oh, yeah. Uh, or the the yeah. the, uh, the power uh, grid point. Uh, and and you hang on to it especially i've had it happen a couple of times on the last it's like the one thing i couldn't do on the last turn of the game i'm just having to accept yeah i got the two yeah. bonus points but i'm not i'm i'm going to be docked a, a a powerpoint and it it saved and it just means i go into the next mission on an absolute high to get yeah. a hiding sure but at least i go in really positively yeah. to start off with yeah. In terms of the the way the game ramps up its difficulty over the course of a run uh mm. i haven't uh, um I, I, that that's one aspect that although i'm aware it's happening and it's quite obvious because everything is uh everything is dealt with in relatively small numbers so you know you go up from machines having one two or three health to four five and six health i haven't quite exactly uh got my head around what the rules are about that over over the, the game so the idea is that once you've unlocked second, third, and fourth islands, you can actually go to the end game after island two uh, and attack the hive, or you can elect to stay in the game and do another island or another two islands. The idea is, and it tells you at this point, the game says the game is balanced so that whichever you choose, like a two, three, or four island victory isn't necessarily, one isn't necessarily harder than the other. It'll be it'll be scaled to whichever you've had time to play kind of thing or fancied playing. But actually, I do find that going for more islands does seem to be more. So it certainly gets scarier towards the end, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. I I don't know this for sure at all, so I'm not sure. I wonder if you hadn't leveled up or hadn't used any power cores or or put them on your max, if the enemies would adjust to. I wonder if that is a a relationship huh. thing where it, the game knows that you have put points into a so then b happens i'm i'm not sure mm. I, i'm using oh, sounds, power cores the minute yeah. i get them the minute a pod falls onto the map i'm like a greedy little gopher over there getting it all together so i can um, yeah, yeah. upgrade my stuff but oh that was something i learned late in the day as well that you could actually rescue them by going to them i thought yeah. you had to just keep them alive to the end of the round oh. which doesn't always happen because they can drop off the map or get exploded um but yeah it turns out you can actually pick them up pick basically up. that's Absolutely. quite a big yeah. deal yeah I think um, it is a. I don't think it scales in the way that it, as you install and upgrade, because it is a voluntary thing. You can, you can go in yeah. and not put a power core in, and it's yeah. like, well, you 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 did the thing, you didn't install it for reasons, uh, and mm. we forgot. And um, I'm not sure if it does the Skyrim like kind of uh, 
scaling. I think as far as it's concerned, you've wiped the, the island, you've completed it. If you're going to do it again, and mm. then um, by all means, gather it for resources or more weapons, more reputation. Not a bad idea, but you're still, you're, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Yeah. And it's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's uh, yeah. I'm, uh, it's just one one of the the rare aspects of the game where I think it's cool how they've done it so that you can go for a two, three, or four island victory and there's in game achievements for each. But I, I'm still slightly uncertain as to what the actual how the scaling works behind the scenes. I mean, I yeah, guess I mean, you know you don't need to know, but I, I guess the question curious. becomes if it is perfectly balanced to just to. Let's imagine that's a possibility where it's exactly yeah. as hard going to the final mission after two as three as four. It will just perfectly adjust it to where you are. Then yeah. is it just a choice on game time at that point? Because yeah, I, I right. definitely got to uh, like. It, am I just saying I just fancy a shorter game, therefore I'll go to the end game? Exactly. De- I definitely know that a choice that I was making was okay. How are my resources looking? Um. Mm. Am, I, am I just like I've got two bars left on my my power grid? No, I'm not going to the last mission. I'll have to try and see if I can boost that by going to a third island. Um, but what I would say on the island, so the first playthrough, you you only have access to uh, island number one. I can't remember the name of any of the islands. It's the green one. Um, yeah. And th- then when you complete that, you unlock the second one, which is the orange circular one, the sand uh, island. And then when you complete that, you unlock the third one, which is the frozen uh, sort of wastelands um, one. And then you unlock the final one, which is the waste disposal. Poisonous black, sludge. Green poisonous. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Dark so Souls. That's the order oh, there you it un- is. <laughs> <laughs> that's the order you unlock the islands. But it, the game is, is really clear about it. So uh, on that first playthrough, uh, I unlock the second island. Um, yeah. As soon as I then unlock the third island, it popped up and told me you don't need to do it. You can go. So even you don't That's have it. to unlock all the islands before you can go to the the fine, the end game. You could, in theory, never unlock islands three and four and just always play islands one and two and then go to the end game yep. and, and complete two island yeah. mission, uh, campaigns. Um, but I always also played in the order that they unlocked. I always went left to right across the map screen. Yeah, um, and what feels natural. What I don't know, therefore, is Island Number Four, the the poison waste disposal facility, was always the hardest island. It always had the hardest enemies. Yeah, I don't think it has to be. I think if you go so there, you second, there first, it'll be it the same be rough down, difficulty yeah. as hmm. the desert. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I I assumed that would be the case because if if you were going with three vanilla mechs into, into that fourth island, the way it was when you I get went melted. there. Yeah, so first time I went to each island, I got absolutely destroyed because it was just enough of a ramp up in difficulty. Oh yeah, uh, that I wasn't prepared for it, even though my and all mechs these new aspects and facets and environments. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. It just it played havoc with my understanding of the game initially until I took on board, got better, etc. Um, which is all kind of part and parcel of the game, and that's that's a classic sort of game uh, difficulty uh, curve. Is first time you see something. You're not going to know what's going on, therefore you're going to be at a severe disadvantage, and you gather the kind of understanding as you go. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely has a really sort of nice curve to it in that it gives you again, it gives you a lot of information about what your options are, 
and then allows you to take those options without at any point making your life unnecessarily difficult. So my, as I say, my choice always came down to how are my resources looking at the moment? Would I rather go to another island and see? It's still a gamble. I might come a cropper, but yeah. see if I can make my situation better and then kind of pick the opportune moment to head to the final, um, the final confrontation. If you're in, if you're someone who wants to unlock everything in the game, you're incentivized to do those two, three, and four island victories because you will get a coin for each one of those to unlock other squads yes. too. So, so there is like if you consider unlocking new That's mech true. squads progression, then there's incentive there. But if you yes. just like playing as the Riftwalkers, then there, you know, you could yeah. just do it just for the fun. Yeah. Yogi B. From our Patreon says, the numbers are small and comprehensible. The player gets previews of the precise effect of each move will have, and even enemy spawns and actions are telegraphed. The design ethos feels like something out of the world of the best physical board games. Simple, painstakingly crafted mechanics combined in countless interesting ways in carefully calibrated scenarios. No 9999 plus damage numbers, opaque modifiers and mysterious stats here. I will just say on the uh, the mech and vec health being small numbers, that yeah. didn't make it any less daunting when I saw like six and seven HP mechs so pop true. up. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. okay, yeah. I need to hit this thing every turn to get it off the boards. It gives you all that information and obviously the HP, but the one thing it doesn't it no it tells you this if you're reading enough, but. It, it, so I was playing through again, and I'd taken a several-month hiatus from playing the game, and I got back up, and I'm playing the first island, and out comes those little floating Vec assistant, right, that gives the other Vecs more health. Oh, so I'm like, I'm yes. going to take that guy out first. So I, yeah, I play through yeah, that yeah. first island, I take that guy out first every time I see him, Sons. great. So I get to the second island, and out pop, you know, the islands are now brown, right? It's a desert island, so out comes <laughs> a little guy with a little red or brown. I'm like, I'm going to go up and punch that guy and knock him out, and forgetting completely that his power is to make every enemy that dies explode. So <laughs> I hit him into another guy. Yeah. I end up taking out three buildings, hurting half my metal. Like, oh, my God. So like, so like, Reset turn. <laughs> Reset even turn. though it tells you everything, you need to make sure you process everything yeah. before you That's act. That's true. Or you're yeah. be in real and you trouble. do sometimes need to hover the cursor over things to learn yeah. everything yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, hover, or hold the L button on the Switch controller, for example. Cameron S. from our Patreon said, this game turned me into a perfectionist. Must get every objective. And there is a bonus for getting every objective on an island, so it, yeah. it does uh, it pays double, as it were, because it means you've got every unit of currency on your way, and then you get some nice little trinkets to help you out I further. Also, so it, it's one of you're right; it does. You, you want to get every objective, but then there's those ones that are the high risk ones. So it'll Ooh, be like you get a yeah. reactor core here if you do it, but it's high risk and you might be looking at your energy grid and you, you, you're doing all that mental math, even <laughs> within a, a, a quote unquote safe island or an early island where you're like, oh, I got this. Then all of a sudden you could be faced with a choice. Be like, man, it would be nice to have another reactor core. And then you go into this mission and just get destroyed. <laughs> like yeah, the amount of times I've found myself <laughs> going, you know what, Chris, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to use my reputation to rebuild my energy grid anyway yeah exactly oh yeah absolutely. <laughs> but then again yeah. it's when you finish the island yeah right chris totally yeah. <laughs> oh, well. oh well yeah right yeah yeah totally yeah. it's good that's a logistic that's a legitimate tactic isn't it oh <laughs> it, it is weird and i realize it's a failing of my strategic brain um and i don't think i'm absolutely terrible at this game just you know mediocre um 
it is weird that a game that gives you all the information you need and basically you can plot out what's going to happen, it's still entirely possible to play an entire turn feeling quite good about the entire situation mm-hmm. of your run up to that point and then suddenly go, oh, I missed something. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and just uh, even though like it's uh, it shows you what's going to get hit and yeah. blown up, but there's some sequence of conquent consequences which lead to just that one hit taking away that one little bit of power left that that you needed to get onto the next map yeah extraordinary that's the chess thing isn't it like you've got a perfectly well-defined set of pieces on both sides perfectly um well understood by both players what the options on the table are and then you move your piece and only as you take your hand off it and you know seal in the mouth (laughs) do you (laughs) spot the thing that you was right in front of your face you had all the time in the world unless you're playing competitive timed chess to to actually consider that and then and then you see the smile on the face of the person opposite you it's like yeah yeah i messed up and and it happens here it absolutely happens here there's no no excuse for it other than there's a lot going on and you're considering a lot and sometimes get a bit too greedy with the oh i could kill two oh no and i guess the difference between people that continue playing this game and feel the urge to come back to it and the ones that bounce off it are how that makes you feel that 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 scenario and what your mindset is about it and for for whatever reason for me this game has that it kind of rueful smile and then right go again whereas for some people or maybe for me at another point in my life or whatever it's like a it's yeah screw you kind of thing i I love that that moment like you might have set something up and you haven't attacked with one of your mechs because you know it, it just might not be the, a situation that calls for it. You know, you positioning, yeah. maybe in ready for the next turn, and then you press Y to enter, and then the game's like, every mech hasn't done this action. Are you sure you're all right with that? And then you have that moment of, God, I guess I'm not sure I'm all right with this. You start <laughs> looking at everything else again, like what did I screw up? What did I forget? It's just, uh, yeah. it's it's a game about feeling like you're wildly comfortable with every choice until you're suddenly not, and then you're just <laughs> overwhelmed with the, the you know, the. The, the weight of your mistakes crush you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Who's wild. ever just uh, attacked a mountain so they don't get that message at the end of a turn? <laughs> yeah, <like>. exactly. <laughs> Absolutely pointless. Unless, yeah, unless, I, unless. I, um, one of the things that I find is the, the difficulty setting has an impact on the margin of error, obviously. But, you know, there's less latitude of like, you making a, a, a mess of things. You can... You know, easy and normal, you can get away with making one or two, yeah, maybe the yeah. three mistakes, but mm-hmm. beyond that, no. no not so much. <laughs> and, you know, because that's what you're there for. You you selected yeah, it, yeah. you volunteered for it, uh, especially if you start adding the uh, more complex missions and, and creatures, but we'll talk about that later, I think. So, uh, actually, I don't think we actually discussed it, Chris. Um, the the difference between the difficulty levels, I just stuck with normal all the way through because I have this terrible thing where I probably should kick it down to easy sometimes, but pride just doesn't let me. It's stupid. I, I admit it. It's not a healthy way to, to approach it. But um, it, what is, is there more than just more enemies or enemies deal more damage and have more HP? Um, is it a combination of those things or just one of those things that makes the difference between one difficulty level in the next? I found this... I might be imagining it because I'm not... I haven't gone into the code or decompiled it or anything yeah, like that, but yeah. there might be some... I've found, I think, behavioural changes as well. Okay. Mm. So, you you know, in the old phrase of drawing aggro from MMOs, yeah, I do yeah. feel that I'm doing 
the right thing or trying to trick them. And they're going, oh, yeah, really? You think I'm going to fall for that? Like, <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, that that's when that, that, that gives me the shivers when they actually start, rather than attacking the targets in my objectives, which is what happens yeah. in the lower objective, they actually start attacking you and your mm. units to stop you from doing the thing you like to do. You want to do, yeah will want to do and uh it's definitely it's remarkable absolutely remarkable uh a credit to the developers of making uh an ai that reacts that way well it's interesting yes like you i don't actually know and i haven't uh my failure is i haven't actually read up if there are, if there are interviews out there kind of breaking down the nature of the ai code in this game but it is i know it's often the case that we sometimes imbue enemy ai with thoughts that it doesn't isn't capable of having because that's that's what we do <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh it's it's yeah. part of part of games design trickery is making players think ai is doing a certain thing while it may actually not be so yeah the truth is we don't know i'd be interested to to find out more um and i haven't played on on hard to find out but i have to say i just acknowledging that they called their top difficulty unfair does make me think that it might there might be elements of actual, uh, you know, higher level of in, uh, interpretation or, or anticipation or something um, yeah. that the, the, the AI doesn't have on lower levels. Or it could just be unfair because it has too many pips of health. It's, you know? it's so right. brutally overwhelming, yeah. But, but yeah. It, do, it does have an aspect of, yeah, th- this is going to treat you unfairly rather than we're just going to put a huge obstacle in your way. Right. Uh it does kind yeah. of have that feel, doesn't it? That was definitely my read on it as well. But I mean with a turn based thing it can't do the equivalent of a fighting game reading your pad, right? Because it knows what you've just done, but it doesn't know what you're going to do next because you get yeah. to do everything yeah. you get to do before it gets to move. So it it can't be literally anticipating your next move. But yeah, and it, it can't go back on the moves it presumably hope not. Right. <laughs> it's just displayed exactly. right. to yeah. you that the enemies are gonna make. But yeah that, <laughs> that, that would make it unfair mean... though. <laughs> would, it, it it like, ah, yeah. you know what? I'm going first instead. Like, that'd be pretty oh fair, can you imagine that moment where where you what you think's about to happen? I, I obviously it's not animated to do that, but I would just picture in my mind the vet kind of turning towards to look at you as if to say, Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean what cruel. it could do what it could have in the AI is simply going through more a, a larger number of potential moves. Yeah. Possible yeah. scenarios. Sure. And one again, one of the things about the game's snappiness is that everything happens so fast, even on a, yeah, yeah, a really very cool. modestly powered switch. Um, or presumably whatever PC you can run it on, like the moves just come out, don't they? Just boom, boom, boom. There's no none, none of the. I remember waiting on my Amiga for twenty minutes for for it to work out what the XCOM aliens were doing. <laughs> and, Absolutely, uh, there's and, none and of that. Civ and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, there, there are plenty of examples of turn-based games where you you click in your turn and then it's like, yeah, go make a cup of tea because yeah, this yeah. this is going to take a while on on much more powerful machines than than not yeah. to disparage the Switch and the Steam Deck. They're fantastic but yeah this game's amazing uh, yeah Yeah. it's it's lightning quick it's also a credit to the experience because that way because it's rolling so quickly the only the the only sort of slowdown is you yeah yeah yeah. you're the one that's staring at the screen (laughs) true not doing anything the uh, the computer's going just (laughs) can you go already (laughs) nope i've got another 20 minutes before i do one more move I know I can. I know I can beat this bit. No, you can't. There's not. Yes, I can. Oh wait, yeah. I definitely play it. I definitely play it fast. Like maybe yeah. maybe to a fault. Yeah. But 
but I think it it kind of it it yeah it feels that that's how it wants to be played and because there are relatively limited number of things you can do at any one time it it kind of feels natural to keep the pace of the game yeah. up but well, it, as you it, also say you can just stop and think as long as you want um it, it varies person by person as well doesn't it because um in some cases if you stare at a screen for five minutes you're probably not going to see anything you haven't already seen you might work mm. out a, a slightly different combination of moves that you knew you had available to you that might do something different but you're probably not going to spot something that you didn't either you've seen it already or you're not going to uh yeah. in the case of you know we've talked about being surprised like blindsided by something thing. That we just didn't yeah. see yeah you're yeah. probably not going to see it for staring at the screen longer um so that kind of leads to saying well yeah you probably can play pretty quickly you've probably assessed the the scene you're not having to re-analyze the board every single turn you kind yeah. of knew where everything was you, you're yeah. building on on what's previously gone so um yeah but but then you know it's a balance isn't it because if you just go with um your your first instinct moves you're kind of accepting that you're maybe going to miss some things and that's the penalty you're willing to pay for keeping the pace up so uh, it's uh, it's definitely a user's choice this comes all the way back to audio design but it is pertinent to the game design which is uh one thing we didn't mention which is the fact that every time uh, an enemy targets the the note it plays gets a little higher on the little sting so it goes targeted <laughs> so if you get like if you've got six or seven vec it's going up an almost entire scale uh and and it of course has the effect of making it feel more and more urgent uh and and yeah sorry brian what were you gonna say no i was just saying uh, we talk a lot about uh on this podcast about how you come up against a stumbling block in a game, right? And you just can't beat a boss or you can't finish level. And then you go to bed and you come up the next morning and then, you know, you beat it on the first try the next day. Like some time away <laughs> helps. So over the yeah, last couple yeah. weeks, I've thought about how this game is almost the antithesis to that because I'd be laying in bed playing my Switch and I'd be in an island. I'd have a particularly tough problem. I'd be late and I'm like, I can't. I'm just going to you know, put my Switch in suspend mode, put it put it down, and then I would get up, go to work the next day, come home, and be like, oh, I'll turn on the Switch, turn it on, and they, there's that problem I couldn't solve. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, then I revisit <laughs> the next day and realize that I'm still just as screwed as I was 24 hours before. Um, but, it, yeah. but it was nice having that on the portable. Like, it, yeah. it really is nice to just hit that button, put it down, go get a cup of coffee or whatever, come yep. back to it, and settle down, and then and It's then a great it travel out. game. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable with that. And I, was... I, I imagine the, the experience that a lot of people had playing yeah. this game on PC, you know, hovered over mouse and keyboard, you know, staring at a computer monitor. It's different. It yeah. Very different. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was surprised not to see, I just assumed this game must have been ported to home consoles. At, no. Like, Xbox, PlayStation. Just not. like I have no idea why not. It would clearly work, but I wonder if there is something to the fact that it came out to iOS and Android via Netflix. And it, it does feel also mm. like one of those games where people have said, oh, can we just have this on mobile? It's not particularly taxing. It's not going to massively drain battery. Uh, it would work with a touch uh, control system. Yeah, so you can kind of see why that happened. And I wonder if it is maybe just... like It works perfectly well. It sounds like Switch and Steam Deck are analogs to one another you could use it with a pad on pc absolutely yeah. i don't know if you can use it with a pad on on mobile but you know the pad interface works perfectly Probably. well um these days but, but yeah I, I wonder if there's just something to that said it would still make a great like yeah 
Game Pass game or a yeah, for you sure. know just for something sure. to sit in the ex- in the PlayStation Digital Library. I don't yeah. I don't see why but, not why they haven't done it. But yeah, I no, guess it's, it, but it, it is all going to happen. But I do think it is a phenomenal mobile game. I, yeah. I said earlier at the beginning yeah. of the show. I think that often it's one of the few mobile games I still play. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Fast turns, no no and, time pressure. Yeah, it's it's yeah. perfect for it. Fits on I the remember, screen. I remember there being a lot of buzz around the FTL when it came out on the iPad version. It was fairly early in the iPad life, you know what I mean, or like you know, um, in in the life of that device and. So maybe with the success they had with that, it just made more sense to kind of pursue that avenue. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's yeah, still a game I'd like to play someday. Maybe for the show, seeing as we haven't covered it, despite me thinking we had. <laughs> the Penske file from our Patreon says, with the time travel aspect of Into the Breach weaving into the gameplay, you only have yourself to blame for any mistakes. Well, 99.99% of the time anyway, in a way that brings to mind that timeless quality of chess. Its ingenious concept and mechanics shine, complemented by a storyline that enhances rather than hinders the gaming experience. The game's unlockable content is terrific, and its downloadable expansion introduces fresh aspects while preserving the essence of the original. The achievements present a well-balanced mix of attainability and challenge. Having invested over 250 hours in playing it across various systems, I continue to find it both entertaining and challenging. It's an experience boiled down to its essence with zero superfluous add-ons. Yeah, the update, uh, which was, uh, it wasn't DLC, it was just a free patch, right? A download, which brought new mechs and new weapons, five new mech squads and 40 new weapons, added challenges, more enemies, more bosses, mission objectives, new pilots pilots and pilot abilities, triple the amount of pilot skills, and that's when they added the unfair mode, which described on Steam as a more challenging difficulty to test the most seasoned tacticians. So I mainly played with everything switched on from the start because it was all already there, but I have been back. To, I have turned off the extra unit types just to see and it does um it does strip the game back of some of its complexity which is potentially useful because it teaches you the basics before you start getting they they really did add some enemy types that mix up the gameplay with that update so yeah um you could either treat the the version that exists now as the finished game and entirely canonical or you can very nicely optionally just when you start up a new game, you can just turn them off and yeah. play play away, which is It great. really is nice to have it just right there up front. Like, which ones do these new things you want to toggle on? You want all of them? You want none of them? It's like, it's very, yeah. uh, very user-friendly there to, you know, if you're coming back to it after having not played for a while, that just, you know, deciding whether or not you want to engage with the new stuff is just a click of a thing. It's no no digging through a series of menus to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I first started the game up, because it was in the the difficulty section of the the kind of start screen, I I just assumed, and it shows where my head's at. I just assumed those were difficulty toggles to increase the difficulty. Um, why I would think that rather than accessibility options or difficulty options to decrease the difficulty, or as is actually the case, toggles just to change the the game. But what that that's just an amazing thing to do because obviously, not necessarily obviously. Um, Adding extra weapons, adding extra units um, adds complexity to the game. So not only does it allow people to go back and see what the game originally was, which is not always a given. Oftentimes games get updates and 
that's kind of the, the version of the game they're overwritten have, have yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah and you have to go back and look at old youtube uh clips of people playing it to see um but yeah just the the amount they're able to add in you know uh, it feels almost like this game like something like binding of isaac is almost endlessly um expandable uh, yeah, in, in they all, they could have done loads more actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel than they have. I guess maybe they felt that they'd maxed out what they wanted to do, and that any more would be overegging the pudding. But yeah, you could if this was a board game, you could absolutely imagine different sets yeah. of units and other expansions coming out for years. Mm. And, and the difficulty I think with this versus uh, we talked about in Slay the Spire, but is also true of other roguelikes, Binding of Isaac in particular is. Often the creators don't actually care if they add something that synergizes with a different item in a way that breaks the game. Because you break it for one run and then you have no real control over whether you ever get that same synergy again in the Mm. future. Whereas in this case, there isn't the same sort of synergy. There is between the mechs and different weapons you could add, but generally there's not going to be anything that would break the game. And I guess they probably wouldn't. Well, maybe they they wouldn't mind so much, but I can imagine, given how sort of finely tuned this game feels, not yeah. really wanting something that just becomes yeah that overpowered. But I think the synergy not being there probably prevents that to some extent, anyway. In this not synergy, they're not there in the same way as it is where you get like combination, uh, different tier upgrades in Binding of Isaac yeah. that just does gotcha. something wild. <laughs> Yeah, just about any game like this, I've found some of the things like, oh, hang on, this seems a smidgen broken. But <laughs> okay. with this, with, with Into the Breach, I find it really difficult to encounter because there's so, yeah. Yeah. so many variables that yeah. to say, oh, I've got an exploit now. Mm. No. Yeah. This, so. We talked about the 8x8 grid, but unlike chess, this one can shrink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so it's Mind like, you, Battle oh, Royale chess. Does yeah. that exist yet? Oh, Should, oh, it has to exist somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. But In no, Fortnite. the fact is, you know, you, I, I have one or two mechs have fallen through a hole because I wasn't paying yeah. attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex seventy nine from our forum says, as a fan of their previous game FTL, I was interested to see what subset games came up with next. When I heard it was a turn based strategy game, I felt a little disappointed with it. This genre always having been a bit of a turn-off for me. So when I tried it and bounced off it, I wasn't overly su- surprised. And then last year I played and loved almost 100 hours of XCOM 2. So decided that perhaps turn-based strategies were not the dead end I'd thought they were. And I gave the game another try. This is the happy ending where I say I ended up loving Into the Breach and it cemented itself as one of my all-time favourites, right? Uh, no, I still didn't like it. Far more simplistic than XCOM, but seemingly more challenging with that. I can see why this appeals, but it just doesn't do it for me. I found the game to be frustrating and annoying, and I never quite managed to get the hang of it. I'm disappointed, but I guess it's okay not to like every game. Indeed it is, Alex. Absolutely. Um, Just on that, I've had almost the reverse situation to Alex79 there, where I played the first XCOM, and I, I enjoyed it, but never really felt the need to play XCOM 2. Something about just that game kind of just didn't didn't work for me um, yeah. but now playing this i really enjoyed it to the point where i might go back and try ftl on the basis mm. of having enjoyed this so almost complete yeah. opposite to what alex 79 is talking about so yeah uh, th- their conclusion it's absolutely yeah okay my, not to like every game it, the, absolutely and i and i'm in you're in the exact same boat you are because i i have since because of my l- 
enjoyment of Into the Breach, tried several strategy games that are just not for me. I've tried uh, XCOM yeah. Enemy Unknown. I've tried uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. I've tried... Mm-hmm. There's like a, a bunch I can think of that are just... They, they seem very... Now, those are obviously both for Axis games, but um, the, those there's things about that that I can see, but there's something about Into the Breach, and maybe this is better left for a summary, but I'm already mid-sentence, so why stop now? Um, <laughs> they... Uh, like it, it's every run that it was successful. It didn't feel like I succeeded as much as it felt like I got away with it. You know what I mean? Like a, <laughs> like a good heist or something like, like I had tricked the game into being like to, into letting me do this thing for once. And I don't know, there was a skin of my teeth type of feeling to it that I find very reminiscent of survival horror games. Like, you know, like a really good, like, like, like the like the ending of a Resident Evil where you know you have just enough bullets or you have just enough resources you know pick pick your analogy there but like the the resource management and all that stuff all boiled together gives me a unique thrill in this game that went in like in an XCOM or, or those style of games I don't I it just doesn't grab me in the same way. I may suggest a title that is not too dissimilar to Into the Breach, which did feature in a previous episode of the Sausage Factory. Uh, which is Kaiju Wars, episode 415. Mm. And uh, that's um, a very different take on things. It's more narrative-driven, but it has a larger map as well. On my Steam wish list, I just checked to make sure. (laughs) Okay, good. So, yeah, give that a shot, because the the titles you're mentioning there, while there's some similarities, there's also a lot of, um, well, there's a little bit more real-time to them, and there's more... The map and the environment is so large that the variables are much greater, whereas the variables here are more about the interaction with the units themselves rather than having to deal with right. environments and randomness. We were talking about earlier about the fact that you could have you know point-blank range and still miss. That's just the nature of XCOM, everyone. Uh, that's why you always, always have a backup plan when taking something out. Or a save to revert to. <laughs> or a save to revert to, which, yes, save, save scumming is a thing. Now, I've been playing the XCOM games, well, I've been playing Laser Squad, so what's that, 40 years? So, <laughs> I, it's, you know, I've, I just adore those, 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 that kind of genre, but not for everyone. Then again, as, as the, as the, uh, Alex 79 says, no game is. And if you bounced off it, that's fine. Of course, we're not going to, you know, scale, but there it is. <laughs> Cool. Just just on that, Chris, you've you've definitely brought uh, something a couple of points to mind, which is um where like XCOM as an example, the map size, it really does make like the the place you start on that map feels a little bit sometimes like wasted space because it's just I need to push forward from here to go and do what I want to do. And it means that the edges of the map often aren't... like You you may want to utilise them, but often there's parts of the map where that's just not where the action's happening. That's just not... It doesn't hold something that's of interest. And that that's a broad statement. Obviously, there, there's games that are in that sort of mould that make better or worse or different use of space. But this one, everything is so focused on this grid. It feels so densely packed because of it in the way that we talk about wanting, you know open world games to be more dense because they can often feel very sparse because they want a big space for you to explore in this case the density happens because they've just pulled everything in so close every square matters so that those those um uh, missions where you start losing space really you feel the pinch suddenly you have fewer options or sometimes you have a better position because of it obviously you can use those 
uh, the the tiles that fall away to your advantage. Um, but yeah, I think that's um, that that's a big thing about this is just how dense it feels uh, in in the terms of the play space. It's really really cool. There's no wasted square on the map. I don't think. Psycho hype from the forum again says, "Well, it's definitely fun to blast through a four island victory with barely a scratch on your mechs at the end." Hello, Blitzkrieg. I think the game is probably at its best in those moments when it looks as if the odds are completely stacked against you, and yet somehow your brain manages to unlock some crazy combination of manoeuvres that suddenly turns everything in your favour, at least until the next turn. Probably my favourite moment in the game was during the final battle with my Zenith Guard squad. I was only going for a two-island victory, so I didn't have a ton of opportunity to level up or overpower my mechs. It's a decent squad, but not the easiest group to work with, in my opinion. I got to the final round okay, but on the enemy's second turn they had already overwhelmed me, or so it seemed. I poured over my options for probably way more time than the game deserved. There was just no way around it. I was going to have to take some hits to the power grid and probably sacrifice at least one of my pilots to boot. Anytime you're looking at taking a pilot off the board just to stay alive, you know you're in a desperate situation. Somehow, I managed to get to the final turn of the final round. The only problem was I had one bar of energy left on the power grid and no choice but to roll the dice on letting an enemy take one last swing at one of my unprotected pylons. With only an 18% chance of avoiding damage, it was still the safest bet I had. Well, what can I say? The gods of RNG smiled on me that day. The bug attacked, the pylon withstood, and I squeaked through with the unlikeliest of wins. Ah, I love that stuff. Such a good feeling, yep. yeah. So many stories like that that sadly I've never told. But yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I've, I've actually watched some Twitch, some streamers, and I watched one, and he had an innate knowledge of the map too. He, he actually gave them names, like he had his own language to describe, and it's like, oh, no, see, I'm weak over here. Not now, but I will be in two turns. That, what? <laughs> and it's just, it was amazing when he could just yeah. read it so well. Like, oh, I'm going to reset a turn. I've just set it up. And it was like, what? Oh, this is not working for me. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> switch it around. But he just knew. And that's, that's when you're in that place. And I've been in that place. I'm happy to say, amazingly. I don't know how. But it's just like, when you play it for so long, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to reset this. this is, I know where this is going. So you'd be, being able to see two or three moves ahead is a remarkable thing. And what's what's been written about here is when you do see that, but you think, this is a big risk. I'm going to roll for it. Let's see what happens. And just on that one day, the gods of RNG did indeed smile. We got as far as renaming basic combat mech, uh, basic McPunchy. Which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, basic yeah. McPunchy. You like him. Yep. Yeah, one one thing that I would have liked to have seen for from a, uh, a Xbox or PS5 version. Obviously, I know Steam achievements are a thing, and I believe they they even make a noise these days, which was my my main thing against them for many years. But uh, <laughs> but a, a list of a list of uh, trophy pops for uh, for PS5 would be nice, um, and there would be it would be a deeply gratifying platinum to get, I would think as well, because there's there there would be a lot to do based on the if they base them on the in-game. Uh, achievements list uh i think there's still tons more i need to get um i certainly probably won't get them all on on the switch version but um 
any anything that anyone's actually uh, aimed for, gone out of their way to get in from the the in-game achievements, or is it just a, a thing that happens by the by? Mostly a by the by for me, but yeah, I, 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 achieving anything in the game is an achievement in itself um, for me. I just. Uh, managing to get that that play-by-play experience so if something crops up i go oh well that's nice i did a thing i did a thing which yeah. is how i treat achievements now anyway i, sure. I have never platinumed uh, a game in, in the here on the playstation for example although i do know there's some like you know i think uh astrobots adventures i should have done that ages ago but i just never got around to it but uh yeah anyway that side i'm not a big fan of them but I say not before. I like them, but I don't pursue them. Yeah, I think in this case there weren't any. I was I didn't take a look at the achievement list beforehand. Whereas on uh, Xbox and PlayStation, sometimes I will just to, uh, not hidden achievements, but just to see if there's anything I want to be kind of aiming for. In this case, it was more they tended to pop up at times where I knew the game was going well, and then it was just nice to see what exactly the game was kind of you know rewarding me for having done so like finishing an island without taking any building damage that kind of thing um and there's several that kind of go neatly together in terms of um uh sort of completing an island with a, a perfect island reward no building damage getting all the objectives on it often those kind of dovetail together um yeah. so i definitely saw the steam achievement pop up you know a, a few times mm. in the corner uh, usually when I, as I say, I felt like something was going well and it was like, oh, the game recognized it. So it's it's usually that sort of thing. If if the game, if the achievements aren't leading you to try different things, it's just nice when they reward you for having done something that you yeah. didn't really know. You weren't expecting an achievement, but. There are some, there are some, I think, interesting ones that could mm. lend to different play styles mm. and, uh, priorities in games such as one of the ones they added in the advanced edition with the extra uh, squads uh, there's a squad called cataclysm which uh, crack tiles and drop enemies into pits and all this kind of thing and one of one of the uh, cumulative achievements for them is destroy 20 mountains in one game so wow. you'd be focusing on smashing mountains as well as juggling enemies <laughs> yeah. and power grids and whatever else so that's just one example there's quite a lot of stuff like that uh destroying enemies with uh, three enemies with one ricochet rocket, all that kind of fun stuff. So I think there's quite a lot of uh, entertaining value-adding stuff in there uh, in the list that they came up with. I think um, it, in addition to the achievements, there's also the um, the coin rewards. So you for each squad, right. you've got exactly. the, the rewards for two, three, and four uh, island clearances, which are a different medal for each. But then you've also got the three almost like inbuilt achievements. Um, the one that I remember that I hadn't got for um, the Riftwalkers was uh, a, a dash punch to kill an enemy from five or more spaces away, which requires you to already understand which unit you're going to be using, which upgrade you need to get. So you need to target an upgrade and then kind of lining things up so that, you know, you happen because usually with that mech it's a melee mech so you're kind of expecting to have to be right next to an enemy to to attack it uh so it requires a bit of a different thinking there so those definitely kind of had me thinking oh there's you know there's different ways to play this um i think i'm i i'm not good with steve achievements yet if there's a trophy or an xbox achievement like i 
go weirdly out of my way to get them, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just, I like, I'm just still pretty new in the Steam ecosystem, so I don't even notice when they happen. So I got to yeah. get better about it because that's a new weird thing to be obsessed with for no reason. So <laughs> yeah. I gotta make sure to add that to the list. <laughs> Angry Kurt from our forum says, I really didn't click with Into the Breach at first and bounced off of it, then tried it again in 2020, and now it's an all-time top five game for me and my favorite indie game. The chess comparison I can totally see. My one gaming-related life ambition is to get all the in-game achievements. The only one I'm really struggling with is beating the game on hard. I've been so close so many times. Keep at it. I yeah, you got you. this, Kurt. There's <laughs> no trophy for unfair, at least. No, yeah. well, that Count sounds... your blessings. Don't yeah. encourage them, Leon. Don't encourage them. <laughs> <laughs> And John Cheatham, who uh, wrote a piece for us uh, as a blog contributor uh, back in 2020, check it out. Uh, his piece on uh, eight, the uh, the eight by eight grid, why I'm so invested in what happens on it. Uh, search canerince.com for Into the Breach and you'll find maybe this podcast, but certainly that article as well. John says, Subset's famous design by subtraction approach to this yielded a game that does everything it needs to perfectly and has nothing it doesn't need. Since 2019, I've poured maybe 70-plus hours into this across three platforms and never get bored with it. It was the first game I purchased on the eShop when I got my Switch. It's the game I play when I'm away on holiday, and it's what I distract myself with when I can't sleep. When the Advanced Edition came out, I went back to this in a big way, and the enemies and abilities it's added are fantastic across the board. Even with the amount of time I've spent with it, I feel there's still so much potential in terms of mixing up different squads, playing random squads, and challenge chasing. For a tiny download of 257 meg, this is one of the most endlessly rewarding games I've ever played. It's now also one of the best reasons to have a Netflix subscription. There you go. We've also had some three-word reviews on X. Grimace wince. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Agent Corduroy says isometric bop fest. Bearfish Pie says intricate mech billiards. Peepop says bug block bug. <laughs> Snakey David says ingenious tactical brawls. Spiders STG says kaiju fantasy tactics. Allegio Reviews says live, die, Repeat. Uh, Mumu Town has turn-based heaven. And Atik Bhagwan says, one more go. Appropriately enough. One more turn. Uh, right. Let's summarise our feelings on Into the Breach. And let's start with science. James. Well, from a scientific point of view, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm really glad that at the beginning of the year I kind of earmarked this as one I wanted to play along with. It wasn't an expectation of being on this recording. Uh, I realise having talked quite a lot on this, it probably sounds ridiculous that I was a relatively late addition. Um, but the idea was just to to play along uh, and to uh, just to try a, a type of game that I don't necessarily play all that often. Um, strategy slash tactics and, and, and turn-based uh, in particular, not something I, I play a lot of. As I mentioned, XCOM's one that I enjoyed, but didn't win me over to the genre. Um, and, and I'm so glad that I, I chose to play along with this. Perfect game for a Steam Deck or, or a, a phone or tablet, I imagine, as well. 
um, just to be able to, without any, you know, feelings of, of uh, guilt or not paying attention to something else, just be able to pick up, play a turn or two and put down if you want. If that's the situation you're in on a commute or, you know, kids uh, looking after a child or something like that, it doesn't take all of your focus for hours on end like some games can, but it can do that as well. I can absolutely see the the person who would pick this up play the six to ten hours it might take them to to get a a, a first clearance and then be happy with that game over credits rolled perfect and I can equally well see the the person I guess Chris maybe closest to that year who for years on years is going to want to play this and put in tens dozens hundreds of hours and maybe that's to tick things off maybe that's just because they really like coming back to such a compact in almost every sense of the word um turn-based strategy uh game that that comes from uh no nothing more indie than than uh this this game's development uh and it's it's a cracking example of what can be achieved with very little um yeah I, i'm absolutely bowled over by it i've, I've really enjoyed playing it so yeah highly recommended glad we roped you in or mm. you roped yourself in i'm not really sure <laughs> It doesn't matter. Yeah, I thought I'd like this when I first heard about it. I do like turn-based stuff. I am an enjoyer of uh, XCOM and Final Fantasy Tactics and those other things. I probably haven't played as many of those kinds of games as I should have done for the amount that I actually like them over the years, for whatever reason. Um, but when I first started playing this, I was one of those that I didn't bounce off it and I knew that I was going to play it for the show. So I, I was obviously going to stick with it. But my initial impressions weren't stellar, I have to say. I thought it, I don't know, I, I'm not really sure. It just didn't really grab me. And we've heard from a number of correspondents who had the same thing some of whom came back and fell in love with the game. Some came back and just bounced off it again, and that's fine. Um, but yes, I'm happy to say that the more I played it, the more I understood it, and the more I understood it, the more I enjoyed it. Um, it feels thoughtfully put together, neat, precise, and as far as I can tell, based on my own sort of... Uh, adeptitude is that the word at the game um it feels like pristinely balanced in a way that a lot of games really aren't uh and for a game that is yeah relatively small in terms of footprint uh on your hard drive or whatever system you you install it on uh it's a it's a broad and pretty deep game that you could sink a lot of time into if if you got hooked onto it um i've been jonesing for another go as we've been playing as we've been talking uh i, I could have even played along with the sh literally played along with the show could have been playing on my with my switch but that would be very unprofessional <laughs> so my hands are now just reaching towards it as i sign off uh yeah so obviously recommended shame there's no xbox or playstation version but it's probably available on something else you can play games on possibly even as part of your netflix subscription so nothing to lose other than yeah, uh, to give it a go would probably take you in total about 20 minutes. So, and then from there, you might know a bit more whether you'd like to stick with it. But yeah, do bear in mind that I think, and certainly based on my experience, the longer you stick with it, the more you'll get out of it. I'm not saying I'm going to be a 250-hour do-everything player because reasons, other games, other podcasts, but... Uh, but I could be if there was no if there were no other games to play, I wouldn't. You know, I'd be all right with that. There's there's enough to do here. Uh, 
Uh, Chris? Into the Breach, for me, trains the brain for other games of similar ilk and even, even games that aren't of similar ilk but actually can help with training your brain into thinking this way in that something is the greater than the sum of its parts. Um, it's the one game that sort of struck me that reminded me of, of times of old. I mean, you mentioned uh, the tactical RPGs, but it's the Shining Force games that reminds me more of, um, mainly because I've got more familiar with, familiarity with those. Yes. Um, some are better than others in that series, trust me. And there's a lot of them, a lot more than you realise. But anyway, that's not, not what we're here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is how Into the Breach really drew out of me the tactical play that I know that's in me, but being able to see two, three, four moves ahead in some cases is is an amazing thing when you really understand what you can and can't do and know the the interaction between each unit, and that's what I get the most reward from this, just making you feel like the smartest tactician on the planet, even though you're clearly not. But for that one nanosecond you think you are, especially when you clear a map and no one's hurt, no damage is done, and uh, they just say, well, we're done here, and you slap your hands together and move on. Um, That, for me, is a lovely sweet spot of this game, and I will... I have been playing it since launch and I will continue to do so for a very, very long time. It's, yeah, I'm very happy to be part of this podcast. I'm very happy to share my my, uh, knowledge of the game and my affection for it. Spot on. Thanks, Chris. And let's wrap up with, what did we say you were? Prime. Prime (laughs) Brian Edwards. Um. So Into the Breach is, is, is a great game. It was one of my favorite games that came out that year. I took me personally completely by surprise just because this is not my type of game. Um, it's not the way my brain normally works uh, to, to enjoy these games. I find these games to be normally very stressful and to uh, anxiety-inducing. Not that this game isn't. It can do that. And it, and when it does it, it normally does it very, very well. Uh, but... There's something about the one more run nature of this game we've talked about, the simplicity of it on its face, but then the depth beneath um, that that just drew me in over and over again to the point where you get that two island victory, then the three island, then the four, and you're, you're really feeling like you, you've, you're mastering something. And then you, then you switch up squads and you realize that you haven't mastered anything. You start kind of starting from the beginning again. And, and what this game did, it went from a game that I didn't think I'd like to one of my favorite games of the year to now it's become one of those games that it's like, I use it as a palate cleanser between big games. Um, I, it, and this is what I do with like some of my favorite games of all time. Now is into the breach. One of my favorite games of all time. It might be because, you know, in between your big hundred hour Elden rings and your big games and this, like, like I always need to do something to kind of like wash that experience away, come back home, like center myself. And the video games that feel like home to me are, are the ones that are, my favorites of all time. So I'll come back and I'll play through Donkey Kong Country 2 before playing something else, or I'll play Cuphead again because I'm a monster, or, you know, like... Or, Stop or pick naming your... really hard platform games. Well, is that what I mean? Like, no, just... <laughs> like, those are games that I that I just, like, even... I might not play them to completion, but I'll play for a little, oh, okay. an hour or two, gotcha. you know? And, um, and just because they feel like... I thought like, you were oh. flexing. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And then I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, you know, 
than I do a one one credit clear of the Demon Souls original on PS3. <laughs> no, um, no, I'll just play games that feel that make me feel happy, just comfortable. And Into the Breach has I become gotcha. one of those games. The portable nature of it definitely helps. You know, you just uh, you can just pick it up by Switch, play a couple rounds, and then go for it. Um, but it's become one of those like touch point games for me that I that I will always think of in this moment in time and and will always be a game that I feel comforted coming back to, which is the highest praise that I think I could personally give anything. Um, it you'll know I think pretty pretty quickly into it whether it's something for you and if you feel that pull even a little bit of just I, maybe I'll try it one more time. I I think that means it's getting its hooks in, so stick with it. I think you'll really enjoy it. Beautiful. I was just going to riff on the, oh, yeah, I just relaxed by doing a one credit clear on Ghosts and Goblins. And then I realized that is exactly what our friend Ben does. <laughs> ben so. Garland is doing that right now <laughs> exactly. somewhere. <laughs> just, just for a laugh. But, but I think uh, this thing, like I, I, Binding of Isaac and Dark Souls would be two of my games that fit that mold. Yeah, yeah, and those yeah. are both incredibly totally. difficult games. It's not about the difficulty. It's just, yeah. And, and neither of those games are, like, if I say those feel comfy and like home, that sounds weird, but it's just, that's what they feel like, you know? know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah. All right. There we go. Into the breach. Breached. Just remains for me, <laughs> Leon, to thank Brian and Chris and James and Editor Jay, as well as all of our correspondents. And of course, as always, you for listening. Next time in issue 600, the last of the year, the last of the volume we're going to talk about the Blue Points Demon Souls. 